0: Monday, November the 22nd. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Europe back in lockdown and Peng Shui back in touch. First, the world in brief. Brussels became the latest European city to witness protests against COVID 19 restrictions. Tens of thousands demonstrated on Sunday. Their eye are chiefly provoked by a requirement for passes to be shown in restaurants and bars. Some threw fireworks. Police resorted to tear gas and water cannons. In Germany, politicians from the governing bloc of the departing Chancellor, Angela Merkel, argued that the country should follow Austria in introducing compulsory vaccinations in the face of soaring infections. The country's vaccination rate of 68% is relatively low compared with other countries in Western Europe. The head of the International Olympic Committee said he had spoken with Peng Shui on a video call, and that she told him she was safe and well. The Chinese tennis star disappeared from public view earlier this month, after accusing a former Deputy Prime Minister of sexual assault, raising fears for her safety. Chinese authorities often take a belligerent approach to women who make such claims. Jose Antonio Cast, a hard right populist, secured the most votes in the first round of Chile's presidential elections, although not enough to avoid a runoff. Mr. Cast, with 28% of the vote, will go head to head against Gabriel Boric, a hard left former student leader who polled 26% on December 19th. For a country once lauded for its stability and prosperity, neither is an appetizing prospect. There were an unconfirmed number of deaths after a car ploughed through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin. More than 20 people, including children, were taken to hospital, according to fire officials. A man has been taken into custody. A motive has not yet been established. Abdullah Handok The Prime Minister of Sudan, who was ousted in a military coup last month and arrested, was freed and restored to office. He signed a power-sharing agreement with the man who overthrew him, Lieutenant General Abdel Fattah al Burhan. But some of those who have been leading the protests against the coup denounced the deal. They demand the complete withdrawal of the armed forces from politics. Poland accused Belarus of continuing to send migrants its way, despite clearing camps close to the country's border earlier in the week. The Polish Prime Minister, Mateusz Morawiecki, toured the Baltic states on Sunday, two of which neighbour Belarus. He said that Belarus's actions constituted the greatest attempt to destabilise Europe since the Cold War. The board of team, formerly Telecom Italia, is reportedly considering a takeover bid by KKR, an American private equity firm, which already owns 37.5% of its, quote, last mile network. Vivendi, a French conglomerate that is team's biggest shareholder, has been at loggerheads with its chief executive. The Italian firm's shares have slid by a quarter since June. Third quarter revenue and profit fell year on year. S&P downgraded team's debt on Friday. And fact of the day, 75%. The percentage by which Venezuela's economy has shrunk under President Nicolás Maduro. Support for the President in opinion polls hovers near 15%. And now, here's today's agenda. Howdy, Namaste, Brass Tax. Indo-American Trade. Catherine Tai. The Biden administration's top trade representative concludes a tour of Asia on Monday in Delhi. India and America had inaugurated a trade policy forum in 2009, but let it lapse in 2018. Now it is reconvening with renewed enthusiasm. Trade between the countries has been galloping along, notwithstanding a couple of understandable blips, having grown sevenfold in the past 20 years. Yet both sides see substantial room for improvement. Some Americans even murmur about a free trade agreement. China provides the obvious impetus. The slow smolder of a strategic alliance between India and America has hotted up as the world's second and third most populous countries find themselves facing a common rival. The pandemic has made both eager to build up supply chains that rely less on China and Xi Jinping's crackdown on China's own tech giants has sent American investment capital in search of farther, perhaps friendlier, fields. Sound of Silence Trump v. Twitter Sometimes, things that do not happen are more telling than those that do. By today, America's Department of Justice should have filed its statement in the lawsuit of Donald Trump, the previous president, against Twitter. He wants to force the social network to reinstate his account, which had nearly 89 million followers before the firm shut it down, after the riots on January 6th on Capitol Hill for inciting violence. But the case seems stuck. And experts argue that it is highly unlikely that the court will approve Mr. Trump's demand. America's speech-protecting First Amendment only applies to government entities, not private companies. All this suggests that Mr. Trump will not get his online megaphones back, at least not before the midterm elections next year. Meta, nay Facebook, against which he has also filed a lawsuit, has already said that he will remain banned from its platforms for at least two years, meaning until January 2023. Nasty Neighbours An EU Summit on Belarus Despite Poland's allegations over the weekend that Belarus is continuing to send migrants to its border, tensions between the countries have noticeably cooled. Threats flying between Belarus and the West have become more muted too. Credit for that may belong to Angela Merkel, Germany's departing Chancellor, who spoke to Alexander Lukashenko last week. It was the Belarusian autocrats' first call with a Western leader in more than a year. Having passed Mr. Lukashenko's stress test on the EU's outer borders, the bloc today will discuss what is happening on his own turf. A conference titled, Towards a Prosperous and Safe Future for Belarus, organized by the Austrian government, will allow grandees of the Belarusian opposition to share their visions with European politicians and bureaucrats. Mr. Lukashenko's cronies have called the online shindig, quote, fruitless and pointless. Many in the EU believe that a better future for Belarus is one without Mr. Lukashenko. Today's talking shop might just stiffen its resolve to help make that happen. Turning on the Boss The Trial of Benjamin Netanyahu 18 months into the proceedings, Benjamin Netanyahu's trial for bribery and fraud will reach one of its dramatic peaks on Monday as the former Israeli Prime Minister comes face to face with the first of three close aides who have turned state witness. Nir Hefetz served both as a personal spokesman for the Prime Minister and as the communications chief for Mr Netanyahu's Likud party in the 2015 general election. He is expected to testify on how he was ordered to relay instructions to the editors of one of Israel's largest news websites to ensure favourable coverage for the Prime Minister. In return, the website's owner, also a defendant, allegedly received preferential decisions on business regulation that helped his companies reap substantial profits. Mr Netanyahu vehemently denies he received favourable coverage and insists all decisions on regulation ...were made according to professional advice. The case is expected to drag on for years. Crime of Fashion House of Gucci The luxury goods business can be murder, literally... ...in Ridley Scott's new tragicomedy about the Gucci family released this week. A true story, after a fashion... House of Gucci examines why Patrizia Reggiani, played by Lady Gaga, hired a hitman to kill her ex husband, Maurizio Gucci, Adam Driver, in Milan in 1995. The trouble starts a decade earlier when the death of Maurizio's father, Rodolfo, prompts a dynastic struggle. Maurizio tries to stitch up his uncle Aldo, Al Pacino, and his bumbling cousin, Paolo, Jared Leto, unrecognizable under prosthetic makeup. Lady Gaga, a pop singer, was nominated for an Oscar for her last film, A Star Is Born, and thanks to her gutsy performance, here she is bound to be nominated again. The same can't be said for the 83-year-old director. House of Gucci is short of both glamour and grit, but it is tailor-made for connoisseurs of bad wigs and worse Italian accents. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Aldous Huxley, who died on this day in 1963. I'm afraid of losing my obscurity. Genuineness only thrives in the dark, like celery. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists